Disclaimer. This is not a fully scientific project. We aim to entertain and offer knowledge that is either common or familiar to people within most Slavic cultures. Every accent you are going to hear is natural. If you are having any difficulties with the names or the way we pronounce things, the link in the show notes leads to the full transcript of the episode. Enjoy your stay. In English-speaking media, Russians are often portrayed as evil, menacing or obscure. While this podcast doesn't approve of violence or hate of any kind, it is a tool for those who aim to create evil, menacing or obscure content. You want to add Russian law to your story? Go for it. Just make it legitimate. We are here to help with that. You are listening to U is a Letter, a dark Russian folklore podcast. Bonus tale number four. The Nesting Doll of Death. Today, for the first time, we are turning away from Leonard Arthur Magnus's translations and turning our gaze upon another English scholar who managed to refrain from adding his own ideas to the texts he worked with, Robert Nisbet Bain. The tale we are going to speak of is The Frog Tsarevna, or The Princess Frog, Tsarevna Rigushka. It is one of the most well-known tales in Russia, and it proved to be more of a challenge for today's narrator than usual. Besides the Tsarevna, princess, and Tsarevich, prince, in this version of the tale we have Vasilisa Primudre, Vasilisa the Wise, and Kashi Bismertny, Kashi the Deathless. How could not translating these epithets make understanding the story easier? We have no idea. Oh, and Tserim also is a fancy house. And a Russian frog says Kwa. You are welcome. The oldest recorded Russian version of this story dates back to 1787. The main trope of the tale combines an enchanted animal spouse with a quest for a missing wife. It is rather common worldwide, but the frog is in the details. There is a ball of yarn one should follow, but no Ariadne. There is a wicked witch who doesn't eat humans. There is a combination of a death in a needle, in a dog, in a hair, in a chest, in a tree, on an island, which makes it the freakiest analogy of a nesting doll one can imagine. Besides, this is a tale that includes both Baba Yaga and Kashei. And while Kashei seems to be a more recent addition to Russian folklore, an ancient being like Baba Yaga definitely deserves an episode dedicated to her alone. To keep today's story as bite-sized as we would like it to be, we need to explain a thing or two about this creature who is often described as a witch. In this tale, Baba Yaga is a bone-legged humanoid inhabiting a hut that is turned the wrong way. When the hero of the tale approaches it, he kindly asks the hut to turn the right way, the way its mother put it. In Russian, this is a spell that rhymes, because of course it does, and sounds vaguely explicit. The point of this exchange is the idea that one cannot simply enter an enchanted kingdom without passing through customs and following certain rituals. Russian enchanted kingdoms are basically the land of the dead, and Baba Yaga is a god that doesn't let the living enter. Her bone-leggedness 
only adds to that explanation. She is not entirely alive herself. It is also worth mentioning that in his notes for Russian folk tales, Mr. Magnus wrote, Goblins are very rare in Russian folklore. Fairies seem to be non-existent. This story, though, might be the case that begs to differ. Our narrator for today is the one and only David Ault, who clearly needs no introductions, but deserves all the praise for nailing the sudden Russian words challenge. The Frog Tsarevna In a certain kingdom, in a certain empire, there lived a Tsar with his Tsaritsa, and he had three sons, all of them young, valiant, and unwedded, the like of whom is not to be told in tales nor written by pens. And the youngest of them was called the Tsarevich Ivan. And the Tsar spoke these words to them. My dear children, take unto you your darts, gird on your well-spanned bows, and go hence in different directions. And in whatsoever courts your arrows fall, there choose ye your brides. The elder brother discharged his arrow, and it fell into a boyar's court, right in front of the terim of the maidens. The second brother discharged his arrow, and it flew into the court of a merchant, and remained sticking in a beautiful balcony, and on this balcony was standing a lovely young maiden soul, the merchant's daughter. The youngest brother discharged his arrow, and the arrow fell in a muddy swamp, and a quacking frog seized hold of it. The Tsarevich Ivan said to his father, How can I ever take this quacker to wife? A quacker is not my equal. Take her, replied his father. Tis thy fate to have her. So the Tsareviches all got married, the eldest to the boyar's daughter, the second to the merchant's daughter, and the youngest to the quacking frog. And the Tsar called them to him and said, Let your wives tomorrow morning bake me soft white bread. The Tsarevich Ivan returned home, and he was not happy, and his impetuous head hung down lower than his shoulders. Qua, qua, Tsarevich Ivan, wherefore art thou so sad? asked the frog. Or hast thou heard unpleasant words from thy father the Tsar? Why should I not be sad? My father and sovereign lord hath commanded thee to bake soft white bread tomorrow. Do not afflict thyself, O Tsarevich. Lie down and rest. The morning is wiser than the evening. She made the Tsarevich lie down and rest, cast her frogskin, and turned into a maiden soul, Vasilisa Primudria, went out upon her beautiful balcony and cried with a piercing voice, Nurses, nurses, assemble! Set to work and make me soft white bread such as I myself used to eat at my dear father's. In the morning the Tsarevich Ivan awoke, and the frog had got the bread ready long ago, and it was so splendid that the like of it is neither to be imagined nor guessed at, but is only to be told of in tales. The loaves were adorned with various cunning devices, royal cities were modelled on the sides thereof with moats and ditches. The Tsar praised the Tsarevich Ivan greatly because of his bread, and gave this command to his three sons. Let your wives weave me a carpet in a single night. The Tsarevich Ivan returned home, and he was sad, and his impetuous head hung lower than his shoulders. Qua, qua, Tsarevich Ivan, wherefore art thou so sad? 
or hast thou heard cruel, unfriendly words from thy father the Tsar? Have I not cause to grieve? My father and sovereign lord commands thee to weave him a silk carpet in a single night. Fret not, Tsarevich. Come, lay thee down and sleep. The morning is wiser than the evening. Then she made him lie down to sleep, threw off her frog-skin, and turned into the lovely maiden-soul Vasilisa Primudria, went forth upon her beautiful balcony, and cried with a piercing voice, Nurses, nurses, assemble! Set to work and weave me a silk carpet such as I was wont to sit upon at my dear father's. No sooner said than done. In the morning the Tsarevich Ivan awoke, and the frog had had the carpet ready long ago and it was such a wondrous carpet that the like of it can only be told of in tales, but may neither be imagined nor guessed at. The carpet was adorned with gold and silver and with diverse bright embroiderings. The Tsar greatly praised the Tsarevich Ivan for his carpet, and there and then gave the command that all three Tsareviches were to appear before him on the morrow to be inspected together with their wives. Again the Tsarevich Ivan returned home, and he was not happy, and his impetuous head hung lower than his shoulders. Qua, qua, Tsarevich Ivan, wherefore art thou grieved? Or hast thou heard words unkind from thy father the Tsar? Have I not cause to be sad? My father and sovereign lord has commanded me to appear before him with thee to-morrow. How can I show thee to people? Fret not, Tsarevich. Go alone to the Tsar and pay thy visit, and I will come after thee. The moment you hear a rumbling and a knocking, say, Hither comes my dear little froggy in her little basket. And behold, the elder brothers appeared, to be inspected with their richly attired and splendidly adorned consorts. There they stood, and laughed at the Tsarevich Ivan, and said, Why, brother, why hast thou come hither without thy wife? Why, thou mightest have brought her with thee in a kitchen clout. And where didst thou pick up such a beauty? I suppose thou didst search through all the swamps fairly. <laughs> Suddenly there was a great rumbling and knocking, and the whole palace shook. The guests were all terribly frightened and rushed from their places, and knew not what to do with themselves. But the Tsarevich Ivan said, Fear not, gentlemen, tis only my little froggy coming in her little basket. And then a golden coach, drawn by six horses, flew up to the steps of the Tsar's balcony, and out of it stepped Vasilisa Primudria, such a beauty as is only to be told of in tales, but can neither be imagined nor guessed at. The Tsarevich Ivan took her by the hand, and led her behind the oaken table, behind the embroidered tablecloth. The guests began to eat and drink and make merry. Vasilisa Primudria drank wine, but the dregs of her cup she poured behind her left sleeve. She ate also of the roast swan, but the bones thereof she concealed behind her right sleeve. The wives of the elder brothers watched these devices and took care to do the same. Afterwards, when Vasilisa Primudria began dancing with the Tsarevich Ivan, she waved her left hand and a lake appeared. She waved her right hand, and white swans were swimming in the water. The Tsar and his guests were astonished. And now the elder brides began dancing. They waved their left hands, and all the guests were squirted with water. They waved their right hands, and the bones flew into the Tsar's eyes. The Tsar was wroth, and drove them from court with dishonour. 
Now, one day, the Tsarevich Ivan waited his opportunity, ran off home, found the frogskin, and threw it into a great fire. Vasilisa Pramudria duly arrived, missed her frogskin, was sore troubled, fell a-weeping, and said to the Tsarevich, Alas, Tsarevich Ivan, what hast thou done? If thou hadst but waited for a little, I should have been thine for evermore, but now farewell. Seek for me beyond lands thrice nine, in the empire of thrice ten, at the house of Kosheba's Mertny. Then she turned into a white swan, and flew out of the window. The Tsarevich Ivan wept bitterly, turned to all four points of the compass and prayed to God, and went straight before his eyes. He went on and on, whether it was near or far or long or short matters not, when there met him an old, old man. Hail, good youth, said he, what dost thou seek, and whither art thou going? The Tsarevich told him all his misfortune. Alas, Tsarevich Ivan, why didst thou burn that frog-skin? Thou didst not make, nor shouldst thou therefore have done away with it. Vasilisa Pramudria was born wiser and more cunning than her father. He was therefore angry with her, and bade her be a frog for three years. Here is a little ball for thee. Follow it whithersoever it rolls. Ivan the Tsarevich thanked the old man and followed after the ball. He went along the open plain, and there met him a bear. Come now, thought the Tsarevich Ivan, I will slay this beast. But the bear implored him, Slay me not, Tsarevich Ivan, I may perchance be of service to thee somehow. He went on further, and lo, behind them came waddling a duck. The Tsarevich bent his bow, and he would have shot the bird, when suddenly she greeted him with a human voice. Slay me not, Ivan Tsarevich, I also may befriend thee. He had compassion on her, and went on further, and a hare darted across their path. The Tsarevich again laid an arrow on his bow and took aim, but the hare greeted him with a human voice. Slay me not, Tsarevich Ivan, I will also befriend thee. Ivan the Tsarevich had pity on him, and went on further to the blue sea, and behold, on the beach lay gasping a pike. Alas, Tsarevich Ivan, sighed the pike, have pity on me, and cast me into the sea. And he cast it into the sea, and went along the shore. The ball rolled a short way, and it rolled a long way, and at last it came to a miserable hut. The hut was standing on hen's legs and turning round and round. The Tsarevich Ivan said to it, Little hut, little hut, stand the old way as thy mother placed thee, with thy front to me and thy back to the sea. And the little hut turned round with its front to him and its back to the sea. The Tsarevich entered in and saw the bony-legged Baba Yaga lying on the stove on nine bricks and grinding her teeth. Hello, good youth, why dost thou visit me? asked the Baba Yaga. Fie, thou old hag, thou callest me a good youth, but thou shouldst first feed and give me to drink, and prepare me a bath, then only shouldst thou ask me questions. The Baba Yaga fed him and gave him to drink, and made ready a bath for him, and the Tsarevich told her he was seeking his wife, Vasilisa Primudria. 
I know, said the Baba Yaga. She is now with Kashaba's money. It is hard to get hither, and it is not easy to settle accounts with Kashay. His death depends upon the point of a needle. That needle is in a duck, that duck is in a hare, that hare is in a coffer, that coffer is on the top of a high oak, and Cachet guards that tree as the apple of his eye. The Baba Yaga then showed him in what place that oak grew, that Tsarevich Ivan went thither, but did not know what to do to get at the coffer. Suddenly, how, who can tell, the bear rushed at the tree and tore it up by the roots. The coffer fell and was smashed to pieces. The hare leaped out, and with one bound had taken cover. But look, the other hare bounded off in pursuit, hunted him down, and tore him to bits. Out of the hare flew a duck and rose high, high in the air. But the other duck dashed after her and struck her down, whereupon the duck laid an egg, and the egg fell into the sea. The Tsarevich Ivan, seeing the irreparable loss of the egg, burst into tears, when suddenly the pike came swimming ashore, holding the egg between its teeth. He took the egg, broke it, drew out the needle, and broke off its little point. Then he attacked Cochet, who struggled hard, but wriggle about as he might, he had to die at last. Then the Tsarevich Ivan went into the house of Cochet, took out Vasilisa Pramudria, and returned home. After that, they lived together for a long, long time, and were very, very happy. In a way, this story genuinely makes one ponder if fairies are truly not that present in Russian tales, for some of the themes here seem to be common for fair folk. As you've heard, the princess in this case is a powerful shape-shifting enchantress who hardly does anything by herself, relying on the magical help of her nurses, who are never properly explained. An even more curious detail is that apparently a living person cannot pass through the heart of Baba Yaga to the enchanted faraway lands before eating, having a bath, and spending the night. In Western European tales, if you eat something the fairies offer, you are bound to stay with them. In Russian tales, if you don't eat the food Baba Yaga offers you, you cannot move on. You smell too alive to pass. This episode was researched, written and recorded by Doc and Stacy. Proofreading by Saika and Crow. Guest star David Olt. Theme music for the podcast written and performed by Andrei Popov. Musical score for the tale written and performed by Tusic. All the additional information on this podcast, including extra links, source material and transcripts, is available on our website. Link in show notes. Uyizaleta is a non-profit project. It is not funded, connected or associated with any organizations, social media or political ideologies. If you find what we do useful, please consider donating to a charity of your choice. Thank you. And may no darkness engulf you without your consent.